Welcome to Women Leading the Way Radio Show, where each time you'll hear from successful women CEOs, executives, and professionals, where we'll discover how they do what they do to be successful in business. We'll be interviewing women who have overcome big challenges, women who have incredible stories of lessons learned in dealing with adversity. We'll even interview women who have started and grown successful organizations and women who are C-level executives with unique talents and positions. Our goal is to bring successful businesswomen together to share how they're leading the way in business today. Good afternoon and welcome to Women Lead Radio brought to you by Connected Women of Influence. I'm Daniel Alexa, one of the dedicated dudes of Connected Women of Influence, your host for Inspired Being. Our show topic today is coffee, conversation, cultural change. We'll be exploring the pathway to making cultural change through the social enterprise known as Coffee with a Black Guy. Our leading guest today is James Joyce III, who is the founder of Coffee with a Black Guy. He is an innovative social impact movement facilitator, and he facilitates conversations about race and perspective for community groups and organizations. James is a former award-winning newspaper journalist, served as district director for California State Center, Senator Hannah Beth Jackson, now retired, and finished runner-up in the 2021 Santa Barbara mayoral election. Good afternoon, James. Welcome to the show. Dan, it's a pleasure to be with you. It is absolutely exciting to have the conversation here with you today and obviously an important conversation with everything going on in the world. Um, tell me, tell our listeners about the story of Coffee with a Black Guy. How did you create it? Sure. Well, first of all, thank you for, for having me and, and providing this platform for this important topic. Um, and And it kind of grew out of understanding that tough conversations were an important topic to have, and that was back in 2016. Um, then it was in the summer of 2016, um, and the hashtags or the headlines of the day were uh, Philando Castile in Minnesota and Alton Sterling, I believe that was down in uh, Louisiana. Um, and I just got tired. As a black man, I got tired of, of hearing these names, hearing these hashtags, going through the feelings, weeping in, in silence in, in, in my home, and feeling this, this feeling of, of, of not being able to do anything, and then looking back at my life trajectory, uh, born and raised in Maryland, went to school in, in Appalachia at Ohio University, um, and then kind of did my uh, westward expansion across the country working for various newspapers, uh, always in mixed communities and realizing that at the root of all of our quote-unquote division uh, is, is just a lack of communication. And so uh, I, I stole a play from, um, or let me say borrowed a play from the police officers. They do Coffee with a Cop. That started back in 2011 in Hawthorne, California. And when they started that, uh, uh, law enforcement wanted to be seen beyond the badge and humanize the uniform. When I learned about that, there was something that resonated deeply with me about that. And I want to be seen beyond this uniform that I was born in. Uh, I can't take it off. I'm a black man in America. And so I just essentially started hosting uh, black guy office hours, giving folks an opportunity to talk about the issues of the day, the headlines, the hashtags, the feelings around those uh, in in kind of a group setting um, so we could – figure out a way to, to talk through some of these challenges and, and differences that we have. 
And as you've had the conversations over the past six, seven years, what do you notice is happening as you're able to have those, those conversations where we can find a way to listen to each other and hear each other? That's a great question because that element right there is the invaluable part, right? Uh, um, you know, it, it's it's a challenge when you don't see eye to eye with somebody who you see as the other. It's less of a challenge when you can sit across from that person and have an authentic inner interpersonal interaction. Um, and so that's what these are really rooted in: is giving folks an opportunity to exercise that interpersonal communication muscle. Uh, and, and talk to one another. And it's not always going to be pretty, but we can sometimes agree to disagree. Um, and if you enter the conversation with the right amount of curiosity, that heals so much. And I use the word healing loosely because, no, we're not going to solve this problem by just talking, um, but talking is the start of how we solve this problem, right? And so we can, you know, we're, we're, we're smart folks. Uh, as as a as a country as as a society, um, sometimes we just need the opportunities to, to to flex the muscles that we don't always exercise, and 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 you know it's it goes against human nature to lean into uncomfortable, um, but that is exactly what we do with coffee with the black guys. Have conversations uh, around the issues that make people squirm, make put a little sweat on your brow, um, but at the end. Um, it's rooted in help me understand where you're coming from, and hopefully in that you can understand where I'm coming from. As you're saying that, it reminds me of the story of Daryl Davis, who mm -hmm. was the black guy who was invited to KKK rallies because he came with that help me understand where you're coming from and wound up converting over 230 or more um, guys who, white guys who had been KKK members over to not being members of that organization, some of them even closing down their chapters because he came with that, that curiosity and that nonjudgmental communication. Uh, absolutely. I mean, I, I learned about Daryl uh, shortly after I launched this, and, I, I mean, that that is parallel and, and paramount to what we're doing with Coffee with the Black Guy. I'm not necessarily entering these conversations with the goal of changing anyone or uh, uh, having them, you know, join my side of thinking, but simply just to see a different perspective. And then, as I mentioned earlier, like these individuals are sometimes you have to fight to find it, but these individuals are smart enough to realize it. Once you have exposure to a different perspective, um, you can't help but alter how you maneuver. Uh, that is very, uh, very human experience, right? It, it, it's, um, you know, we could argue that it's evolution, that once you know something differently, then you alter how you maneuver from there on forward. Um, and so that's, that's the goal. Um, and, and, you know, it, it takes a village. Uh, it's not going to, we're not going to solve the problem with just Daryl, you know, converting former Klansmen. It's not going to solve the problem with me having conversations with, with groups of individuals. Uh, but it, it, it takes an army of folks that have that kind of a mindset um, to, to move this needle forward. In that, finding that group to move the needle forward, as you're having conversations, what's the, what's the best way that it, listeners can can support you in your mission 
Well, I mean, without sounding too self-serving, like there's there's plenty of opportunities to engage with Coffee with the Black Guy on social media platforms, on the website. Um, you know, of course, we've got got merch that helps keep the movement moving. Um, but ultimately, it's about okay. If you have a a, a, a group, a community group, uh, your work, your nonprofit, uh, the board that you serve on, the school that your kids go to and there are some challenges around the issues of race and perspective, sometimes it may serve you to bring in a third party to help navigate those difficult conversations uh, because, you know, I can come in and help facilitate those conversations. I can summarize things that people are saying in a way that um, – uh, 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 if they were to say it directly like that, may not make for the, uh, the best long-term or sustainable relationship within that unit. Um, and so sometimes it does help to have a, a, an impartial third third party come and help facilitate those conversations to help us move forward. It helps to neutralize some of the, the existing maybe emotional energy or presuppositions that, it, that might be there otherwise. Absolutely, and and not not to say that these conversations don't are void of of, uh, of emotion. I mean, these these are very emotional and personal topics, uh, but harnessing that emotion and, and and that perspective in a way that the conversations remain developmental. Before we continue, we're going to take a quick moment to recognize one of our sponsors and partners. Women Lead Radio is brought to you today by Connected Women of Influence and our partner, National University. National University is proud to be one of the largest nonprofit universities founded in 1971. The National University mission is to provide accessible, achievable higher education to adult learners. Today, National University educates students from across the U.S. and around the globe with over 170,000 alumni worldwide. Thank you for your support, National University, and to all of our sponsors and partners. And now back to the show is we're segueing into bringing the, these conversations in, and, I'm, and I know that you facilitate conversations with individuals, with organizations, with communities. How, can you help me understand, like, the, and our listeners understand what what um, happens in those conversations or how did it help bring the awareness to particularly organizations and communities? Sure. Well, you know, I, I've got a, a, you know, in the introduction, you heard a little bit about, I, you know, spent more than a decade as a daily newspaper reporter, primarily covering education, but covering a variety of issues. And then another decade in public service working for what I would argue one of the most effective state legislators in our, in our country, Hannah Beth Jackson, who was able to do so much on the women's equity front. Um, you know, yes means yes for affirmative consent in, on uh, co college camp campuses for sexual assault. Like she was the principal co-author of that, women's equity bill, all those kind of things. And so um, put packaging that experience and knowledge into this lens of diversity, equity, and inclusion and facilitating these kinds of conversations. I'm able to help individuals and organizations look at different policy, different communication uh, uh, elements and skills that can help move that DEI lens. Um, and so uh, it, it's, un, it's, an, it's an, un, an intentional experience that I bring to that, uh, but it's a very valuable uh, experience that I think I bring in facilitating these conversations because it, it's beyond just talking, 
right? It, 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 it plugs us into, okay, so how can we take that to the next step and move into action? How can we, uh, uh, you know, and I hate to keep using this, but move the needle. We're not going to uh, revolutionize, you know, how we interact as a society. We're not going to revolutionize uh, uh, this division that we, racial division that we have in our country. But the best that we can hope for is incremental, incremental movement forward. Um, and with that kind of a mentality, I'm able to help us celebrate our victories. Uh, for instance, there was an organization I was working with uh, as recent as this week where they've implemented some change in there. It's a, it's a private school, a private uh, uh, junior high school, uh, and they've implemented some changes, but they had a parent that disagreed with some of those changes, and the parent spoke up and actually had a one-on-one -on -one conversation to say, okay, look, I don't agree with this, but how can you help me understand this better? And by the end of the conversation, that parent understood where they were coming from better. That's what it's about. We're not always going to agree. It's not always going to be uh, peachy rose, but just like that rose that we see and smell and love, there was a journey to get there. And part of what this effort is is making sure that we're uh, creating spaces that are developmental that can support that journey to get us to a better place. Wonderful. And as we're here today, you and I, two guys, on a platform called Connected Women of Influence and Women Lead Radio, Absolutely. pulling it in the context here of diversity, equity, inclusion, even going into the lens of what, um, how does this apply to women as well in the workplace and what, what lens can we help with um, inspiring and uplifting women out in the communities, in business and elsewhere? I think it, it's, it's a, the basic root element of empowering folks to live their truth. Um, we know what the numbers say that, that you know, that women trajectory, women's trajectory in the workforce uh, is not the same as, as it is for men currently. Um, but we have a benchmark. We have a baseline, and we know that we can improve from that, right? And so these are some real basic elements of, as I mentioned, interpersonal communication that are applicable across the board. And so when I'm starting a conversation, there's five basic rules, uh, guiding principles, I like to call them. Uh, I don't, I've never been much of a rule follower, but guiding principles to keep us in bounds in the conversation, such as be respectful, be genuine, be willing to listen, be willing to feel something, and don't seek to dominate with your story. Those four or those five basic elements can help us, can, you know, contain our conversations, the difficult ones, uh, help us contain those in a developmental space. And for for women in the workplace who may not uh, uh, may not feel empowered to speak up about things that are happening in the workplace, understanding that, um, you know, now that it is law in, in, in many states uh, to, to be transparent about pay inequities. Well, once you know that information, it's easier to speak up and say, look, this is what I, I this is the way things uh, are, and this is the way things should be. How can we work together to get us there? Same concept. And I think yeah, I was hearing it all and, you know, doing the work that I do, that, that connection that as human beings, we are social beings and finding that place where we can work together and to support each other in what might be perceived as 
one person's weak spot being someone else's strong spot and finding the connection and strength to inspire and lift everybody up. Absolutely. And then the next layer of that is make sure that those folks are compensated, right? Um, we know that when, when women are in the workforce that they, they do more work. Um, you know, who's passing around the birthday cards? Who's organizing the socials? That is all part of creating the culture that everybody works within. If you're looking at the, the uh, annual reviews or however frequent, frequently organizations are doing reviews and that's not calculated into your accountability measures, that's a missed opportunity, right? And so really valuing the work that goes into creating cultures in organizations is the step forward for this. So as, as you're building forward and working into organizations and helping to shift those internal cultures. What do you see as the biggest challenge across the board moving forward? I think the biggest challenge um, <laughs> continues to be fighting against this, this instant gratification. Um, you know, part of this concept of privilege, and, and dare I, I call it white privilege, but this concept of privilege that comes with, we got to solve the problem. There's a problem, we need a solution. And not everything works that way. And for communities of color, that's not necessarily always been the immediate thought process, right? And so, yeah, we need to find a solution, but sometimes that solution is the journey towards a solution and not necessarily the destination. Um, and, and I, I, you know, when I'm working with organizations, I'm reminding folks constantly that we have to celebrate our victories, right? And so, um, you know, the, the organization who had a dis dissenting view about some of the changes they've made, to be able to have that, that experience and that, that uh, opportunity to, to talk through those difficult things, that's a, that's a victory because that may or may not have existed before or it may have been a more con contentious uh, engagement in the past. And so those are the kinds of things to, to keep in mind uh, as we move forward. But, uh, you know, it, it, th what we're doing, it's not, it's not rocket science. Um, we're, 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 it's people science, right, and, and, you know, and people art. And so we need to just get back to the elements that we know about being human, take down that other title with, other, with, with, with the people that we're engaging, and, and really, um, really aim to, to get back to our, our humanity. I love that message. I totally love that message. <laughs> so I'm so on board with you right here. <laughs> well, no, no, and, and, and you know, like particularly with some of these larger organizations, you know, you're going to have to implement metrics um, and, and, you know, benchmarks and all those kind of things. And I, I definitely work with organizations to do, to do that as well. But really try to remain rooted in not overcomplicating things and really understanding that what we're doing is, is, is in our personal communication. How do you get to know your neighbor better? What are your likes and dislikes? Um, the, one of the common retorts of, you know, coffee with a black guy, well, why don't we have coffee with a Jewish person or uh, coffee with an Asian? It's like, yes, yes, we can do that too, and there are opportunities to, to, to leverage that individual perspective. But what this provides is an entry point. When I say coffee with a black guy, we're centering the conversation from a very black-centered, specific way doesn't mean that other folks can't learn from that, and it doesn't mean that other folks uh, uh, can't access that same information. 
it's just a little different. It may have to uh, uh, may require a little bit of extra brain power for someone who's not used to that as their entry point to a conversation to be able to do so. And so, yeah, we can we can layer all the the jargon and technical things on it, but at, at the end of the day, we're we're just we're we're getting back to our our humanity. Just in case our listeners might want to reach out to you after the show and arrange for a coffee or arrange for you to have come into their organizations or the community, um, what is the best way for them to our listeners to contact you? Sure. Well, on uh, cwabg.com, that was a little fast, C-W-A-B-G, Coffee with a Black Guy is what that stands for. Um, reach out. There's a tab on, on my website that has uh, CWABG Consulting, and it kind of runs down some basic racial equity coaching as a, if you're looking for one-on-one conversations, uh, and we can talk through uh, specific examples, specific challenges, uh, uh, and I've had great success with the one-on-one. Uh, but also, when when there's groups and individuals who would like to, to, to bring me in to help um, with custom consulting, um, it's it's beyond just the conversation. It, it's providing uh, uh, in, in insight uh, to help us move forward. And yes, I, I've got some some skill sets on on some tools, um, some institutional some tools for institutional change, uh, and some things to lean back on on that front. Uh, um, but as I mentioned, uh, uh, and I and I, and I want this to be clear, it's really helping folks get to that that humanity of things and 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 just talking through uh, the difficult. Uh, well, for some folks, the difficult uh, conversations uh, to have a greater understanding cross-culturally. And as we're moving into about the final eight minutes or so of the show, um, I'm reminded of a conversation we had relatively recently about schools and coming into schools and helping to have the conversations there. Um, Mm -hmm. And I understand that uh, there's a a new driver of purpose for you around that as well and wanted to ask into that. Absolutely. Um, one of the, the, the challenges or one of the things that I, I found when working particularly in the corporate and nonprofit space is, you know, I'll sometimes ask folks about their, their earliest memory of, uh, of becoming aware of their own racial identity. And inevitably, it's all, it, 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 it turns to, a, um, you know, an event, uh, an incident, younger than 12 years old. And then my next question is to follow up is, okay, so how many of you all have kids and are talking to your children about this? Now, I was saying that from the perspective of former education reporter, but, you know, a five-time godfather, uh, that kind of an uh, Uncle Jay. Um, but now I'm uh, uh, three weeks into uh, being a first-time dad myself and understand what that means. And as I'm encouraging folks, there's just a different emotion that I am, that I have when I'm talking about those things now that I have, have my own daughter who uh, far removed, uh, uh, hopefully far removed from, from the need to have some of these conversations, but understanding the reality that when I'm working with uh, organizations, particularly with schools, um, you know, we are seeing these incidents and, and when I talk about incidents, I can I can share, uh, but we're talking. We see these incidents at the elementary, at the junior high level, of kids who uh, aren't 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 necessarily steeped in the language of of equity, uh, but they know difference, right? And so I've worked with uh, um, schools and keep seeing b- 
these kinds of things happening is the use of the n-word in classrooms um and you know my my daughter she's she's gonna like hopefully not have to deal with that but the reality of it is is that's probably not going to go away um and so continuing to work with organizations like schools and saying okay when that incident happens the the folks that need to be prepared to, to to help address that are the the people who are right there in the problem and so that's our our teachers in the classroom educators and so it, 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 now that I have, have my own daughter, it gives me, um, it reinvigorates me to challenge educators and folks in the education sector to really lean into their professional development and not ignore those things when they happen because that creates harm, right? And so really uh, uh, building up this skill set to say, okay, you're using the N-word, young, young man, young lady, because you've heard it in a song or you've heard it elsewhere outside of the classroom. It's my role as an educator to help impart some context as to why that is harmful and how that is harmful to others in the hope and anticipation that you're going to make the right choice to not do that in the future. Because ultimately, we're not here on this planet to harm other folks. Uh, uh, that comes out of frequently uh, insecurity, lack of knowledge, and, and um, you know, lack of experience in, in those spaces. Um, and so not only do I talk about that, I point to some resources. One of my favorite, particularly is around uh, the N-word, is, is uh, Randall Kennedy's book titled uh, Nigger. Um, and it specifically talks about the troublesome word, looks at it from a legal standpoint, looks at it throughout history. And that's just one of many resources uh, that are out there to help folks uh, navigate these, these tough, tough issues. Oh, wow, I was not aware of that. So as we come into our, our closing moments of the show, in addition to a book that you have yet to write on all of this work, since we just mentioned the book there, um, what else is your vision for Coffee with a Black Guy? <laughs> yeah, th thank you for that. No, I, would, I, I have a, 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 a book, um, you know, proposal, cooked up, vision, uh, and ready to go to be able to help folks enter these, these conversations from that standpoint. But along with that, a vision of being able to host these conversations in communities around the country. And so I would love to be able to launch a, a multi-city tour uh, where I go to a city such as, and I'm just going to pull one out of Appleton, Wisconsin, because it's a, a random city uh, that I'm sure has issues. Right. And so like an Apple II, Wisconsin, a Westminster, Maryland, a Marion, Indiana, and hit these different communities and allow folks in those communities to come together and engage in authentic conversations about that. That kind of a mentality, that kind of a movement is, I think, what's going to help us as a society and a country move forward. And then, of course, there's the conversation on reparations. Oh, I'm just going to leave that out there. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I was going to say we've got about a minute if you want to throw in, and it's there. Let's do it. Sure, sure. No, ultimately, when I'm having these conversations, we get to that as kind of an endpoint. Not saying that that's going to solve everything, but as we're having these conversations, it's very difficult to understand the history of our country and not want to lean into some way of, of rectifying and, and, and improving it. And the conversation on reparations has skyrocketed in California. California has a task force that's delivering a proposal to the legislature and the governor this summer. Um, and though that, that action 
needs to be surrounded by community conversations along with that action. Because if we do that action, ultimately, without the conversation, that's going to create a lot of resentment. And that's just one of the uh, uh, um, pills, so to speak, uh, to help us help us get better on this issue of racial division in America. And, and there again, as we bookend the show, it, it all comes down to communication. Absolutely. Absolutely. I look forward to having further conversations with you, sir. I was love Well, thank you. And look, it, the coffee's there to just kind of keep the conversation going. It, 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 it's the gimmick we need to, to make it less intimidating. And I drink proudly out of my CWABG coffee cup every day. <laughs> well, I appreciate you, and cheers to that. <laughs> and that is our show for today. I'd like to say thank you to James Joyce III for being my guest today. And special thanks to all of our listeners, both in the U.S. and internationally, as we are an international show. After our show today, you can listen to Women Lead Radio on all subscription podcasts, specifically Apple Podcasts, iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and iHeartRadio. We are expanding quickly to a daily radio show and podcast, so for now, we'll be back again for another live show on Mondays at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, Fridays at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, and Saturdays at 11 a.m. Pacific Time. It has been my sincere pleasure to be your host for Inspired Being today. Thank you for listening, and have a great week. Women Leading the Way is produced by Connected Women of Influence, the premier private membership organization where like-focused, business-to-business executive and professional women connect, collaborate, and cultivate a vast network of high-level affiliations, resources, and professional relationships. For more information about Connected Women of Influence, please visit our website at connectedwomenofinfluence.com.